Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. A little bit weary at the moment, but um, yeah, I'm okay considering, I suppose. Yeah, bright and early start for us with these midweek games, which I think is just about to change with the uh, change in daylight savings, although, of course, that then means that the uh, the weekend games become a bit more of a struggle for us. It's a bit of a trade-off in that sense, but... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that Blackpool game in a little bit, but we'll start with that Stoke game uh, on the weekend. And how it's sadly become a bit of a predictable result in the sense that, um, you know, no goals scored, looking sort of bright and lively when it's nil-nil, but then a couple of lapses in concentration and before you know it, it's 2-0 and, and the game's pretty much gone. But um, uh, I guess it was, you know, Jones came back into the defence for Bernard, was probably the main change to the side from the Sheffield United result. Uh, Tyler Smith getting a start as well for Magenis. So good to see a little bit of a change in that sense. But how, how did you see the game and, and how the game played out? I was really confused by this game. We I thought we started really strong and we were uh, had them under a fair bit of pressure and were pressing high and pressing really well and effectively and creating turnovers, but just lacking that end polish. And then, I don't, and then after like 15 or 20 minutes it almost just completely turned around and we just gave them space and possession and, and just almost ceded the game to them. Um, and in typical fashion, that first goal was what, just before half time as they normally yeah. sort of are. Um, I don't really want to talk to <laughs> those girls, both frustrated me. I think the Vranich one was off of what should have been a free kick to Wilkes, I think on the edge of their box or something. Uh, that was, I think was that that the, the Wilkes free kick was before the power goal. Yeah. 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 Okay. I can't, but, oh, that's yeah. right. He flicked it between two of our midfielders. They, pre- they both, Doherty and someone, I think both pressed him. He flicked it through them and then ran yeah. the length of the field. Right. That's the, that's, that's why that one annoyed me. Um, and then, and then, of course, was it Jones and um, Coyle? I think, or maybe it was Graves and Coyle both dived in on him. Um, where I'm yeah. just, like, just, just, just keep your feet. Yeah, it was, um, it was frustrating to watch, and it was sort of like typical of of the season so far. Lots and lots of endeavour and trying to create, and these moments where we, you know, are pushing forward and doing really well, and it's all undone by these. 30 second like collapses where mm. we've it's like we're all at sea for 30 seconds and i and i don't understand why and then it just turns the game on it on its head and whatever confidence we were building by performing well is eradicated and destroyed and we then look like it look like a team who is nowhere near like scoring or, or creating much um yeah it's a really weird one i, I mean I, I think i saw the stat that um we've got the sixth worst attack and we've got the sixth worst defense but Presumably the sides who have a worse attack or a worse defense are better off in the other stats. Mm. So we're almost the worst because of the fact that um, we're, we're poor at both. Um, yeah. it, it feels it feels like that at times. It's such a strange sort of game to watch City play at the moment when, as you say, we feel like we're in a lot of these games. We're not, we're not, I mean, the Sheffield United game, even there we had a couple, you know, we had a 10 minute spell at the start of the game that looks quite good. So it's not like we're getting blown off the park by sides at the moment, but we just consistently get, unable to get a result. 
Yeah, I think we were talking about, uh, I don't know, in the in our chat last week or at some point recently about the feelings we like the 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 vibe we get from the team and the performances in general. And I was saying it doesn't, I don't get the same recollections of, of that last six months we had in the championship before we went down where it looked like nobody had any ideas and we were bereft of any energy. And it was sort of like a foregone conclusion. There's lots of, there's clearly lots of effort there, but those it's just those key moments. And I don't know what you put it down to. I think part of it's recruitment. I think when you look at who is performing, um, you know, the ones who have championship experience are the ones who are actually like Monco came from a championship club is one of the only ones who's really like seems to be comfortable at the level. And and a lot of the others, I think that it's starting to turn and we're starting to get, starting to get used to the, the pace and everything, but it's really been like, it's, it just, I guess that's, that's part of what it is what like when you recruit from a lower level, players that have never played at this level before um and even you know the guys that have but played in the league in league one last year which is most of our squad there's a there's that adjustment but i often in these periods at the beginning of the seasons i you know how are we going to go i sort of say you know give it 10 games and we judge from there Mm. it's been 10 it's we're just at 10 games i think from after this morning um and it's i mean overall it's pretty poor i mean at the end of the day results are what counts and as positive as as some parts of these performances have been we have not yet in 10 games been able to put a 90 minute performance together yeah even even the preston game you know where we we win 4-1 you could not even call that a 90 minute performance so that was only about was it half an hour i think they were in that game it was a it was a blitz in the last little Mm. bit but and i think that's what's particularly frustrating you know if we we stay in these games for these long periods and if we can just keep our nerve or our focus for those few key moments off our set pieces and things like that because they're another point of concern at the moment um then i think we'll start turning those one nil losses into nil old draws or you know into into a one nil win and and those sorts of things just turning slowly and slowly but we, which arguably we did this morning we'll talk about the game this morning mm. in a second anyway but 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 with Eves coming on and getting that um that equalizer it does start to feel like maybe the tide turns in that sense because you know yes going into the game we probably should have been expecting three points against blackpool but at the end of the day you come away with a 10 men performance getting an equalizer late on and it does feel like a win. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's all you need. You need that bit of self-belief and confidence in the squad that, Hey, luck might be turning. We might be getting a few things going our way that, you know, um, I can imagine for the squad, you look at the Tyler Smith goal ruled out against Sheffield United. You look at the um, really unlucky or unfortunate um, um, keeping error against Derby that cost us the game there. You look at a few things like that, where I'm sure as the squad could look at it and say, we're trying, we're putting in the effort, but it's just not falling our way. That maybe finally that that goal, that equalizer against Blackpool is the start of a bit of a turn and, and you just get a bit of a confidence into the squad and, um, you know, it's a good fixture next as well to really try and put that right. Yeah, I think um, there is an element of, of poor luck that's afflicted us so far and I hope that you're right, that this is sort of acts as a turning point. I think it will spur the players on, you know, and give them a little bit more belief, um, you know, because while we admittedly, you know, we 
earned ourselves a draw in the last with a you know a late goal, we almost very well took all three points as well with yeah. um, a very fine save from their keeper very late on um, to deny Tyler Smith. So um, there's there's certainly some good there are some good things starting to happen. Um, there are still other things that I think still need changing. I still am yet to see anything from Wilkes from like what he was last season. I've... That's interesting. We'll talk about Wilkes. We'll, we'll, give, we'll give our three, two, ones for the Stoke game. And then we'll talk about the, uh, the Blackpool game. Cause I actually tweeted out just before the podcast, something about Wilkes. So we'll see. Cause oh, I think okay. we'll be slightly different views on that. <laughs> I didn't see that. No, it's all good. Um, look, I'll give my three votes to, to Elder for the, um, for the Stoke game. I was having a look at some of the stats and he actually led the defense for, for clearances, interceptions and tackles, which was, which was really good to see. And I think it's, he's definitely going under the radar in terms of having a reasonable season. Um, which is, which is still something that I struggle to comprehend because I feel like our entire back five, including the keeper, are actually having a reasonable season. So I think it comes back to our point about a bit of bad luck because I just don't understand how we've conceded as many goals as we have when I can't actually pinpoint anyone in the defence as a particular issue or a particular um, um, vulnerability. Um, but yeah, so we'll, three we'll points to Elder. Pieces. We'll come set pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's def- yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, I've given the two votes to Doherty. Um, again, sort of, uh, I went a bit stat heavy with it, these um, these votes because I was trying to, I was struggling to to think of anyone to give votes to against Stoke otherwise. But he he led our midfield for um, pass accuracy, which was good to see, and so he was putting a lot of the plays together and getting us forward when he could, um, which was really impressive. Um, and then I gave one vote to Longman. I thought he was good off the bench and, and really provided a bit of a, a lift for us and a bit of spark, but um, it was a bit tough to come up with uh, votes for this one. How did you find it? Um, to be honest, hadn't even thought about it. Um, but looking back, I mean, I don't even think I could find a way to really argue with the names you've put forward. There's no one else that really stands out in my memory as, as someone who's deserving of the points. So I guess for that reason alone, I will give the same three, two, one. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk about the Blackpool game now then. And um, we did make a couple of changes for this one. It was Cannon coming in for Smallwood, Longman in for Tyler Smith and Monker in for Matt Smith. And we had uh, Longman then basic, basically take up Wilkes's position wide, right with Wilkes up top, which um, I mean, we keep saying, well, can we change things up? Can we try something different? And and it's clear that McCann is trying different things, but it just seems like the one most obvious thing that he could change, which is the formation, he hasn't been able to do at the start. And I and I do, there, there's a part of me that just thinks there must be something coming from above, from Ehab and Asim to say, hmm. four three three is our DNA. That's the way you've got to play all your games. And we saw later on in the game, we switched to a four four two when Eves came on, and we had Eves and um, Tyler Smith up top. And surprise, surprise, we scored a goal. And then as oh, we it was before, more like a four two four, I think. Four th- well, maybe it was yeah, true. <laughs> maybe it was more of a four two four, um, depending on where. Um, was it was it still Wilkes and um, KLP, or was it long? Uh, yeah, I think it was still Wilkes and KLP because Wilkes didn't come off, did he? Uh, did he? I don't know. So, yeah, so so four two four or four four two, and yeah, then it yeah. became a three four two sort of thing um, uh, a bit later on when um, when Quell got sent off. But but surprise, surprise, we changed the formation. We tried something quite tangibly different, and we did manage to score. And then Tyler Smith almost got the winner at the end. So it's good to see he's trying different things. I don't know if Wilkes as a centre forward is the thing to try, 
Um, but I, I still think it comes back to the formation and we just need to try something a bit more drastic. Yeah, look, I think, um, I, I think, yeah, look, it worked. That It was certainly successful last season, but I guess like you're talking about, what, I saw his record the other the other day. It was like 22 losses out of 28 yeah. games or something in the championship, which is an atrocious eight, eight, record. Eight points from 20-something games, I think yeah, it is. something something mental. Um, so obviously has, it, it, he hasn't figured out how to make it work at this level or he doesn't have the right the caliber of players or the right players to make it work at this level or whatever it is. Um, but I think you're right. Like change, um, you know, might be exactly what's, what's required. Even if it's, yeah, even just as simple as going to a four, four, two or, you know, with a diamond in the middle or something, I don't know, anything would probably be a nice change. Um, but I think, um, I think what, we get with the four three three that one of the main reasons this doesn't work is our three get so isolated from each other. You know, you got KLP on one wing and Wilkes on another, and then Magenis or Tyler Smith or Eves or whoever ends up just standing in the middle, and they're just they're all so far apart. If we get to when when we did change and then we essentially played with two up top, you had guys that were near enough to each other to actually support when the ball got up there, and we saw as you sort of as you mentioned, you know bit of pressure, bit of play. We're able to actually pass it two players around the box and then put it in the back of the net. So um, yeah. and, I think Joe took a good shout. Yeah, and I think as we've always said with Eves, it's, it was such a, maybe not a strange signing when we brought him in, but it was a signing that didn't really seem to suit our formation or our style of play, where he does seem the sort who likes to have someone playing off him. And why not come out next game with Tyler Smith and Eves starting as our strikers and have... Tyler Smith able to play off Eves. Eves can bring the ball down and play Tyler Smith through. That that seems to make so much sense to me. Yeah, and then yeah, you know, you could essentially have a four-two-four formation because you would have KLP and Ben Wilkes, you know, traditionally speaking as as sort of uh, midfielders, but they'd really be operating as wingers. Um, maybe that's too attacking, but at the same time, do we have too much to lose trying something that drastically different? Um, I I think it's all academic because I still don't think we would make that sort of change. Um, just based on my gut instinct that we are being told that we have to play a 4-3-3. But, you know, the results are, the, the proof's in the pudding. Like, we, we got the we got the point against Blackpool, arguably, because of that that change to bring on the second striker. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, because I think I find there's lots of uh, words. I think it happens more frequently than you would think that a team who has a man advantage and is up, you know, that one nil is a very dangerous scoreline, especially against 10 men for some reason. It, I've, I've, the amount of games I've watched where that 10 man team has been able to, 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 you know, score a late equalizer or something, whether it's just through a lack of, you, you know, they take the foot off the gas or, or whatever, but um, it's, I mean, I'm glad we were, it was a, worked in our favor today, but um, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's a tough one, and it'll it'll certainly be interesting to see what happens um, next week against against Borough. Um, I'll, I'll give. Or how about how about you can give your three, two, one votes for this one first. Um, unfortunately, I've I looked at your I've looked at your votes already, but um, I, I probably would go the same for my three points. Um, and something that I alluded to um, in our chat as well was you know the fact that. He rejected a move away because he wanted to stay and fight for his place 
and even after that was not on the bench for about four games in a row, you know, finally gets onto the bench, finally gets onto the field and is actually, you know, the set, the hero of the day, man of the moment, you know, Bambi on ice, Tom Eaves. <laughs> um, He's making a habit of it. I mean, what mm. we've got the, the last minute goal against Fulham last uh, two seasons ago, we had the, the equalizer against Swansea in the four, four draw. We had the winner in the, well, I'm giving a bit away here for something we're going to talk about in a second, but he got the the final the final goal in that um, FA Cup game against Rotherham to give us the three two win. Um, he's got, I think he probably did it once or twice last season season as well, and and now he you know got the assist right at the end on the f- first day of this season, and now the goal here. He he likes to you know the last five or ten minutes of games is quickly becoming Eve's time. Yeah, um, and look, I I think that's, I mean when we can make it work like we did today, that's sort of what suits him to come on with a bit of tired, def- tired defense. You know, he's a big bo- body and he can put, put himself about a bit, but he doesn't sort of seem to have the legs to, to last, you know, or to make that uh, work for 70 or 80 minutes, but for a solid half hour or 20 minutes, he can do a job. You know, I think he, you know, res- took, took a ball down on the wing, I think in the lead up to the Smith attempt. Is that that one? Think. Yeah, might long, have been that long one. shot, long boot out from Ingram, and I think he took it down, like brought it down on the wing, and then played it in for KLP or something. I can't remember, but um, you know, he gets around, gets about. He's a big, strong lad, and he um, does well. But um, anyway, back onto the the thing. Um, who else was really impressive for me? It's a good question. I actually thought Cannon had a pretty decent game, to be honest. Um, I'll probably go Monker for two points. I think just his, I just he's just the only one who doesn't seem to be afraid to take shots. He get he just gets yeah. in the area and he goes of having a go. Um, whereas it seems lots of others want to try and get too tricky. I guess they're worried, they're they're panicking or you know freaking out because we haven't scored and they're desperate to make it count or whatever. Overthinking um, it, yeah, yeah, but um. He seems to just get in the area and, and have a go. And, you know, he might have five shots a game and one might, you know, they might, might be one on target, but they're normally, you know, the one on target is normally requires quite a decent save to to keep it out. Um, so we'll go two to Montgomery and I'll give one to Cannon. Um, I think it's his first start in the league. Um, and I thought, you know, had a very serviceable game, involved in some nice some nice things, um, worked hard. So that's how I'll, I'll divvy it up. Fair enough. Yeah, so I'll go with Eves for the three as well. I think it's hard to go past the the player who gets the gets the goal for, to earn us a point. It's the first, I guess, got a point earning goal that we've scored since the opening day. Considering the KLP's goal against Sheffield United was consolation. So, um, yeah, I'll give Eves the three votes there. Um, I've gone Lewis Potter the two, um, partly obviously teeing up Eves for that goal, but also because I think of our forward three, he was probably the most lively he had three shots that were were all blocked so that kind of um, is a testament to your point about the fact that you know maybe players starting to overthink that that goal drought and taking a bit of time on the ball and um, you know it's such a weird one when when you look at like Blackpool and Derby both came to the KCOM or the MKM and set up very much behind the ball and and sort of parking the bus against us and and you sort of think geez you know we're bottom we're second bottom in the league come on you know cut us a bit of slack you know give us a bit more space to operate in because it's you know it'd be like um i don't know it'd be like 
a side going to Norwich in the Premier League and parking the bus against them and they get up one nil. I'm sure you'd feel pretty uh pretty frustrated as a supporter when when it's when it's happening against your side when you're not even scoring that many goals to begin with. You know, you're not much of a threat mm. and, and any chance of a threat is kind of snuffed out. But um yeah, so I'll give the two to, to KLP just because he did seem to seem to be in he, he was sort of dropping deep. He was trying to pick up the ball and drive it forward when he could as well. So I thought I thought that was a good performance from him. Um, and then, yeah, I'll give Moncur the one. As you said, he had three shots, um, did quite well, had a high high um, pass accuracy as well. So he was sort of zipping the ball around as well. Um, we did sort of talk in the chat, I guess, and this probably helps pad out that stat, pass stat, pass accuracy stat is the fact that we're doing a lot of sideways and backwards passing. So it's pretty easy to, to, to complete a pass when you're, you know, passing it backwards or sideways five metres or something like that. But you know, yeah, I think he was he was certainly one that was trying to to drive us forward and, and create a few chances as well. Um, so he'll, I'll, I'll give him the one vote. Um, now, just before we move on to our next feature, we did have a comment in the chat which I thought was was worth discussing as a sort of semi-separate point, and that was coming from Matt Ward here saying, you know, still we've got a draw against Blackpool, but, you know, McCann needs to go. Alums want this club to hit rock bottom. Love my club, love my city, but slowly losing it. Um I guess, you know, when we were talking about what can change, you know, drastic drastic change would be the formation. Even more drastic change would be the manager. And we do have that sort of sense that the Alums are quite happy to keep him on. He, he's a yes man, so to speak. He's not going to sort of kick up a stink with them. Um, do you get the sense that pretty much the only way there'd be a change of manager is if this takeover happens or if McCann walks? Yeah, look, I... I fully 100% I don't I can't see the Alums deciding to end this um, relationship with McCann for a, a couple of reasons as you said he seems to be a bit of a yes man they can just say do this and he sort of is is okay with that the other is that I would imagine that based on one his his managerial experience went, or championship experience when he signed and his results so far in the championship that he probably isn't on a huge pay packet. And if they sack him and you try and bring in someone who has at least some level of championship pedigree, you're going to have to pay more. And we know that the Alums don't like to pay things. So we'll pay like decent wages. So I, that's, I think the other reason is that financial thing. They're so desperate to not invest any more money than they absolutely have to until they can get rid of the club. And so I guess for almost for that reason and that reason alone, uh, I really do hope that this takeover happens, but it is, I do, there, there are some tempered thoughts in with that whole uh, situation as well, based on some of the, the talk from the potential purchases. So, yeah, um, but yeah, I don't well, think, um, I don't think McCann will go until yeah. that, until that potentially eventuates. I think if, if that did happen, then I think that would probably be the, uh, one change that they would probably want to make very quickly. There's the two Chris's waiting in the wings, Chris Hutton and Chris Wilder. Um, uh, I think Wilder was actually at the Stoke game, presumably just doing some scouting. I wouldn't read too much into that. But, of course, you know, an, an out-of-work manager who's got a reasonable pedigree at this level, being in attendance at the game is going to get tongues wagging. So uh, it'll certainly be interesting. I think I think with regards to the takeover, I think the international break is going to be really interesting. I think from what I've... from what I've heard or rumors or whatever that it sounds like if something's going to happen, it could well happen over that break. But um, we've sort of talked about it a bit on the podcast. And I think it's one of those things now where until we get that, you know, stereotypical 
corner flag image with a club statement announcing something's happening. Um, there's not too much more to get worked up over with that with that takeover news until until something more concrete happens. Um, okay, well, let's move on then, and we'll do our triple flashback feature. So this is where I will give you a question with three possible three answers, and I'll see if you can get all three. Um, if you get stuck, I will try and give you a couple of clues to help you along with your guesses. Um, I, and I sort, sort of already gave you a clue with a bit of earlier discussion anyway, but um, the question for this week is, can you name the last three players to score a hat-trick for us? And this is in any competition, so league or cup. All right. Well, because of your clue, and I think I probably would have remembered this one anyway, um, because of his hilarious comments about taking the ball home and kicking the wife out, um, of the bedroom, uh, Tom Eaves is one. I would have to go. I'm thinking maybe probably Hernandez um, would be another who definitely would have got his hat trick in the championship um, in his at some point in that 22 or whatever 25 goal season that he had. Surely, um, and the. Th- third i'm not sure i feel like the the third one mustn't i don't think it's that old either but i and i feel like it's a little bit left field one that i wouldn't think of straight away but i can't so the third one's actually the most recent and that was coming it came last season who got us a hat trick last season um janice get a hat trick oh so 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 the player so the player was snapped with a picture of the match ball and there were a few interesting comments written on the ball um it's a play oh actually and this is a player that uh we didn't have our discussion about during the last game but maybe we'll bring up during the preview uh but it's malik wilkes yeah right. got, got his hat trick oh. against uh wigan oh is it when we i think we beat them five nil or something like that but yeah, yeah he got whereas like you know he scored with his right foot and he was just like yeah. i didn't even know i had a right foot but managed to score uh, and yeah, and Hernandez's goals uh, hat trick was actually against Burton in the seventeen eighteen season. So that was, I think, when he'd been out injured for most of the season. So we yeah, hadn't right. been able to sell him, and he came back in with Adkins. And um, yeah, I think it was like we beat them five again, beat them five yeah, nil right. or something like that. So they and yeah, and you were correct on on Eves in the uh, FA Cup against Rotherham, um, managing to get the hat trick in a three two win. And yeah, as you said, taking the match ball home and kicking the misses out, which was uh, good to see, or good to hear. Um, cool. Okay. Well, we'll move on then and we'll talk about the Middlesbrough game, which is um, shaping up. I mean, we sort of talked about the Blackpool game as a must-win game. And if that was a must-win game, certainly the Middlesbrough game is as well. Um, Neil, Warn- Neil Warnock, manager there, has been since, I think he, I think it was one of his first matches uh, for them was the game against us where we, we won our one and only match in the second half of that championship season. So, um, has a bit of experience against the Grant McCann Hull City side. Um, had had been a bit under a bit of pressure recently with their performances at Middlesbrough, but did get a pretty good win against Sheffield United this morning, winning 2-0. So that might alleviate a little bit of pressure on them um, as things stand. But um, they've, they've had a pretty decent winning record against us recently, other than that game two seasons ago. Um, I think they'd won five of the last six or something where we hadn't beaten them since that 4-2 win in the Premier League. Um, but, yeah, two wins in five, wins against Forest and Sheffield United for them, so not in the best of form. Certainly a side that we should be looking at that if we're going to turn this run of results around, this is probably the game for it. Um, 
yeah, look, I I feel like maybe it was. I I remember talking about. I have vague memories of talking about the new manager bounce with when we've talked about first thing Middlesbrough before. So perhaps that was must have been very close to the to the start of his reign um, last time. But yeah. how is this going to go? Hopefully good. Like I, I guess, like just carrying off what we're saying. Hopefully, you know, this this late equaliser and this late surge in this game, you know, uh, has you know instilled some level of confidence and belief within our own players. Um, but I just, it's so hard to, it's so hard to say at the at the moment. You know, it, it seems like every every time they look like they're going to improve, then they come out and play even worse. Um, but um, I mean, it probably wouldn't be surprised to see this end up as another one or draw or something like that. If I'm being yeah. honest, um, yeah. I'd love to see us snatch a win. You know, but it just. I- I think as things stand, I almost feel like if we concede, we we can't win. Like at best, we're going to get a draw because I just can't see us scoring two goals in a game, and especially against a Warnock side, I think they're going to be another side that um, basically puts men behind the ball if they need to to keep us out, and it's just going to be. Well, I, it just feels like, which which is a really odd thing to say because I feel like last season we should have had so much practice breaking down mm. parked buses, um, and, and the fact that we're still sort of struggling to to unlock defenses and obviously yes they're at a, a higher level but you know it's not as if it's you know it's not as if men behind the ball isn't something that we've had to put up mm. with for an entire season so um yeah it's a, it's a frustrating one but um i did want to get your thoughts you know we sort of talked a little bit before about wilkes and i guess my my perception of him is a little bit more optimistic where i look at it that i don't think he had a pre-season um mm. he 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 was out injured for the preseason, wasn't he? And then he, he he started against Preston, which we were a little bit surprised about, and then was out injured, and then only came back after this more recent international break. So, uh, I guess my optimism is I'm hoping that if he gets through this Borough game, has a has that two week period over the international break to get his fitness and confidence levels up a bit more. Um, his he's actually got surprisingly good hold up play I've found I, and I don't remember him doing it as much last season. And to be honest, maybe it's just because he doesn't really know what to do with the ball. He just sort of, you know, shields the ball and tries to draw a free kick, but he, he seems to be, he seems to be a bit, bit lacking in confidence and lacking in direction to, to push the ball forward. But it seems like one of those things where if he can get a goal or if it's late in the game and we're up one or two nil, like in that Preston game, that's the sort of perfect scenario where, having him and KLP running at the fences will actually be really a, a sort of a strength of ours. And he just doesn't seem to have that confidence at the moment. So look, maybe everyone's right. And maybe he just needs a spell on the bench, you know, on the sideline to sort of recoup, get his head back in the game. But I, I'm, I'm not as downbeat on him as, as a lot of people are. Yeah. Look, I, I do concede that point that he has not played as much football um, as he probably could, or as he could have or as he would have had he been fit and uh, that probably has played a factor in in his performances but I just I I when when I watch him like I feel like it, as an unfit player or you know whatever I would still be expecting like some momentary bursts of something and 
I'm not. It's he just seems to be pretty mediocre, sort of for for just pretty much the whole time. He's not done anything that's really um, interested me. He doesn't even really want to attack any attack the defenders or anything that much yeah. anymore. I mean, I in saying that he, I think there's been a couple of moments in the last couple of games where he's actually has improved, where he's starting to. He, he shielded that ball and then tried to roll inside and, and run along the edge of the box, which was something, a bit of a hallmark um, last season. Um, so perhaps maybe he is starting to turn a corner. Um, but, I mean, I guess the, the flip side is uh, if you if we do sit him on the bench just for a game or whatever, who, who replaces him? Because um, Longman, Longman maybe? has yeah. not... I don't think he's been particularly mm. impressive apart from he's probably a bit the opposite of, of Wilk showing some moments of brilliance, I guess. But beyond that, you know, there's, he made a, maybe against Sheffield or one of those, you know, a late run um, and shot was, I think one of our, whatever game it was, he, he was like our only shot on target the whole game. Oh, Swansea, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, and a couple of like little moments where he's done something, but for the large majority, I haven't been too impressed. I probably expected a bit more. Um, uh, I'm a bit surprised that we haven't been trying Wilkes on the left. Only in saying that, only because seeing him this morning, it felt like he wanted to cross the ball in and then kept trying to get the ball onto his left foot to cross the ball in because he just has no confidence on his right. Yeah. So it just seems really strange to me to play him on the right-hand side where unless he's sort of cutting back and, and doing sort of an inverted cross into the box, it makes more sense to me to try and get him on the left-hand side where he can have much more confidence of running to the byline and, and whipping a ball in. Um, it just doesn't seem to be playing to his strengths. Well, they seem to... I guess that's something that's been missing because last season they seemed to switch around a bit. Mm. Wilkes and KLP would, would occasionally switch wings for a period for 10 or 15 minutes, um, which seemed to not only, you know, either shuffle the defense or upset their defense a little bit because it's a, you got to then accustom, get, get accustomed to a new you know a new attacker that you're trying to mark but um you know that and that that and the the, the interchangeable movements that we had last season between that forward three which were what we were praising so much last season doesn't hasn't seemed to be very present either so um i, I mean i'm all four, I've, I absolutely would agree with you that if, you know, that Wilkes and, and whether it's KLP or whoever, but should occasionally be, you know, switch switching it up and, and trying to, you know, change things, even if it just means that, sure, Wilkes gets an opportunity to, to gain some confidence, cross the ball in on his left, you know, attack, you know, on that side at the very least. Because um, I think KLP would, he'll still get, a, he'll still get around, the the you know the left back down, down the right side and I think still be able to do something so I yeah I don't know I guess it's weird why 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 the questions from McCann why why haven't we done these things yeah um, yeah it's interesting I mean I keep it him central this morning um, which shows that he's at least trying to work Wilkes into the game but I don't think at this level Wilkes has the I mean, having said that, he, he does seem to have good physicality with shielding the ball, but I don't know if he's got the tenacity to be a, a centre forward at this level. But um, look, I'm hopeful that 
Eve's getting on and scoring that equalizer does mean that there's a few other options that we'll try out. Um, I'd love to see Smith and and Eve starting up top for us in this game against Burrow, but I don't hold high hopes for that happening. Um, uh, maybe, maybe I think it's probably going to come too soon for Honeyman as well. I think he's meant to be out till after the international break. So that's the other that's the other big frustration is that we still just haven't really seen our best eleven on the park. Because um, what Honeyman came on against Jeff United and then has been back injured since then. Yeah. So um, oh, that's a whole, that's that, a whole other that, issue from a can. What like yeah. I, that, I don't understand. I get like that Honeyman's been, it was super important and influential for us last year, but he's just had you know this huge layoff, and then you go, ah, oh, well, you know, we need someone to do something. So you pick the guy who really only want needs to play 15 minutes to get out there and get up to speed and, and, you know, get some touches on the ball in a game environment and you give him 45 and then he like um, yeah. but gets injured again. You know, that's, I mean, it's an, in, it's an injury. It's probably a, just an unlucky thing, but you sort of go, is that, is that just poor player management in that, you know, management of the injury? Is that a, is that a, is that a poor decision that is going to come back and, and bite us? And then the other one is is Huddleston, where it's almost the opposite, where he he did try to give him really good player management. He he sort of rested him against, I think it was Swansea, uh, maybe not Swansea, maybe it was the game after that, Sheffield United, uh, Blackburn, sorry, Blackburn, where he rested him against Blackburn. And then in a really light training session, does his hamstrings out for 10 days, 10, 14 days, um, where, I, you know, people are saying, I don't think it's a coincidence that our two clean sheets came against Swansea and... Um, Whoever it was that were, that when um, when Huddleston started the games, um, so I think he's I think he's another one where if we get him back fit, it's almost you know you don't want to rush him into the starting eleven because of his mm. age and his potential issues with soft tissue injuries. But he's another one that could really um, start to swing the tide a little bit if we can if we can get him fit. Yeah, absolutely. I think the I think just the that level of experience, the level headedness, that that. You know he's used to that level. He's used to a higher level. Um, he's over calm. His, he's you know he'll he'll, he'll, he'll yeah. help the younger players, and that's that's what they really need. You've got all these young guys who have not played at this level before. You need someone there just to say, "Let's settle down. I'll direct you around." And like, even with you know you know he's he's not a pacey player, but he's when the times he's been playing, he's always moving. He always seems to be able to find himself in space quite easily, um, and and he's calm under pressure and he gets himself out of some potentially very, you know, difficult situations with not a lot of effort really. Um, And I think that's what, that's the sort of thing that needs to be, you know, passed on to some of these younger players that, that uh, the nous on the ball and the ability to, to manipulate a situation to your advantage in a way that isn't just, you know, lobbing the ball downfield and running as fast as you can after it, which is sort of like our, you know, go-to um, escape management plan. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, they are two two losses um, that I think when they come back, if they come back and they're managed to the best possible way they can be, um, that I think they definitely will have an impact on how our season goes. Um, really disappointed to for Honeyman because I thought, you know, this was this this was his opportunity to prove all his doubters wrong. You know, he came in at the end of the last season and, and couldn't quite do enough. He was sort of still getting back up, back to speed with championship. And last year, absolutely killed it. Was ready to come back and show that he can perform at a higher level than League One. 
and um, unfortunately has just missed the whole lot with injury. Yeah, almost a quarter of the season at this stage. Um, and then the other one as well is obviously coil out with the suspension means that we'll get to see Josh Emmanuel in it right back, um, which could be an interesting option as well to see what he can do there. And um, one of the one of the other sort of, I guess, idealistic suggestions floating around Twitter was the switch to a back three, which would then mean, you know, operating with potentially Elder and Emmanuel as wingbacks, which I think would really suit Emmanuel Um where again you could do a three-five-two sort of formation, but then you sort of, uh, I guess the only issue with that then is that you're basically dropping KLP and Wilkes, um, mm. which hey, you know maybe that's they, maybe they they do need a rest and a change, but um, it, it's one of those ones where um, I think the formation makes a lot of sense, but then it's about fitting that the personnel into it, um, where you know yes you might want to have Eves and Tyler Smith up top, but then then it's who drops out, but. Anyway, um, Emmanuel coming back, coming in at right back will be interesting to see as well. Um, could be an opportunity for him as well to grab that spot. Um, I think Coyle's had a fantastic season, so I don't think he deserves to be dropped. But it may well be a case of, um, well, I guess it's only a one-game ban, isn't it? Because it's a second yellow. Yeah. So it might just be that Emmanuel gets this game against Borough and then Coyle's back in after the break. Yeah, I mean, it's strange, though, how football works, you know, because if we happen to win against Middlesbrough, then surely you don't you don't tinker with a winning formula, do you? So yeah, um, unless you, unless you had to. So um, and you know this is what happens though all the time. You know players you go oh, they've been hard done by. They've had a great season and they miss one or you know two games with a suspension or an injury or something, and all of a sudden their spot has their their gazumped their their spots taken by you know the, um, you know, the, the replacement. So. Um, I really hope that, you know, Emmanuel comes in and has, um, you know, is at his barnstorming best, so to speak, um, and has a strong game. And because I think that's a, he, I mean, they, they're, they're quite similar, but I think Emmanuel offers a little bit more, I guess, physicality in that um, going for, in his, in his forward movement. But um, yeah, I think um, I'd actually sort of forgotten about that. The blissfully forgotten about the red, the red card. That was the the softest of touches. I can't believe that was given as a yellow, and then the the thing the clash on Elder wasn't given as anything. And that like, yeah, that was the comparison for me. It was I think yeah, it was that one with Elder where you know the same logic where Elder's making that run forward and gets taken off the ball, and you think well if if the coil one is you want to call it a cynical foul or whatever you want to justify it with then surely that is on Elder as well. So Yeah, um, for a, a light push in the back versus a yeah. studs raised and he's dang, like clatters into him completely. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, that one. Yeah, That's, no, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the early on where we got, he got taken out in the box. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I thought that was, you know, I think it would have been probably a soft red, but wouldn't mm. have been shocked to see that given. But I thought it was at least definitely a yellow. Yeah. I don't, say, think he made, I don't think he made contact with the studs, but it's still... Mm. I think it was it's just still, a body-to-body body contact, challenge. but they, they smashed. I think they smashed knees or something when he planted his foot. But it, um, yeah, it's 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 certainly in that reckless um, yeah. sort of a, a thing. And you know, it it very well could have ended up with a pretty serious injury for Elder. And if that happened, and it's because of this action, and all that we got was a drop ball. I mean, I was pissed as it was, so I'd have been yeah. absolutely livid. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, we'll we'll wrap things up then um, and see if you've got a score prediction for this one. Um, um, I 
sitting on the fence. I'm going to go the one all that I referenced earlier. That's what I'm yeah. going with. Yeah, I think I'll probably go the same. I think if we can if we can pick up another point, then that's good. If we can score, then that's good. I'd love to get the three points. Um, hopefully it's a 1-0 win for us. Um, I just I don't know where the goals are going to come from. I mean, the one little bit of reassurance is the fact that we did beat Warnock's side last time in the championship when we were on that horrible run of form. So um, there's always sort of, you know, causes for optimism in that sense. But, yeah, probably a draw from me for this one as well. Um, well, thank you for joining me for this episode, Dan. No, not a problem. No worries. Thanks and thank me. you, everyone, for listening in. Um, until next time, which will be after the international break, so in two weeks' time, um, we'll be back to discuss the result of that Barra game, which is hopefully three points for the Tigers. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back.